Welcome to Not the Worst Pastors Podcast. This is James Gomez. I'm the pastor at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, and I am here with Matthew Coyne. He is the pastor at Rollins Church in Manton, Michigan. Matt, it's a great morning, and I'm my question for you this morning is how do you decide what to wear on a given day? Oh, uh, usually whatever <laughs> t-shirt is sitting on top in my drawer. That's usually okay. what I go with. So, and that t-shirt arrives there, that t-shirt arrives there by the hand of one Brittany coin. Yes. I'm very blessed. She, she puts it, very nice of her. She folds it and puts it in for me. She cleans it too. It's great. Oh yeah. That's fantastic. Do you ever have to do your own laundry? You know, it's funny. We were just talking about this last week. I have not, I, let me start. I do know how to do laundry. I have not had to press a button on the washer or dryer in years. I am very, very blessed. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She that's partnership and ministry, everybody right there. <laughs> it is. I mean, she I mean, I've always said I'm so blessed that she well, she loves to clean. That's that's really is a thing she loves to do. And uh, but when it comes to stuff like that, uh, we'll have to talk about that sometimes. She has a whole mindset on cleaning especially when it comes to chores like washing dishes and and doing laundry uh, that probably like seven years ago, she was having issues with it. And uh, she said, I just came to the conclusion. It was from a Mother Teresa quote, but it, it says something like, you don't do these things because they have to be done. You do them because the people you love is part of it. So, for example, she does the laundry, not because it has to be done, but because the people she loves wears clothes. And I joke with her and I said, and if you don't, I'll walk outside naked and nobody <laughs> wants that. She said, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> so it has to be. Yeah. Done. <laughs> so but yeah, that's that's we were talking a few weeks ago in church. I shared that because we were talking about how Paul and Philippians talks about our mindset and shifting our mindset and that she had to shift her mindset to, oh, this has to be done to, no, I want to do it because the people I love use these things. So, yeah. Ah, okay. You know, Michelle was using a term the other day. Um, it was a combination of terms. It was growth mindset. And uh, I don't know what the opposite one was, but it was like kind of uh, I'm moving and shaking. I'm willing to think outside of my comfort zone. And then there's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not thinking about anything new or anything like that. Mm. It's just a, a mindset. So I suppose we've we've got to deliberately be open to new things, you know, in order to have a have that change yeah. happen. Like, so to hear a Mother Teresa quote, you know, you can just shut that off and go, well, that was Mother Teresa. Yep. She was Catholic. She was older. She's single, whatever you know, excuse you want, and you can make that the reason why you don't have to listen to that. But okay, so I brought that up because I kind of thought you were going to mention Brittany there, and then I want and and I was teasing about partnership and ministry, but we each have our roles, and you have an example of Brittany standing alongside you in a ministry role at the campground that I want to bring in before we get into the main stuff today. How does she conduct herself standing beside you as you're using churchy words? Yeah, so uh, this past, well, actually, two weeks ago, we had Ryan over the campground. 
uh, had a Christmas in July event. And you know, if there's a Christmas event, whether it's in July or December, Brittany, Brittany and I were there. We're there. (laughs) Not only were we there, we helped decorate. And so, (laughs) so Saturday night we did church and we sang Christmas carols. And then we, I shared the Christmas story. And we knew we had a lot of non-Christians there because a lot of the campers were there and just community people. So um, I the way we decided to do it, because there was like like 15 kids there and where Brittany usually meets over at the campground, there's no way she could have fit them all in there. So I shared the Christmas story, but I always do it in a way that in Easter, in a way that the Christians are thinking of it differently and the non-Christians are hearing the gospel. So. I shared it, but then Brittany literally stood beside me and I asked her to. I said, hey, if I say we have a term, we say churchy word. If I say a churchy word, stop and stop me, interrupt me and start telling people what it means. So I would get to a certain point and she would say, Pastor Matt, can you stop real quick? My little friends, do you know what this word means? And then she is really good at defining a churchy word for kids and for adults. I think we need to say adults who, you know, don't use certain terms. You know, one we've been using a lot um, while we've been talking, but we haven't really used it because James and I are on the same page is that word evangelism or discipleship Mm. or Ah. (laughs) or spiritual formation um, or even reconciliation or, you know, these words that in the church, we're used to hearing, but those outside of the church go, what does that mean? And and how do you define that? So it's always nice because I forget sometimes I'm talking to adults and I'll, t- I'll talk to the kids and Brittany goes, they don't know what that means. I was like, okay, okay, that makes sense. So uh, even words yeah. like, like Pharisees, you know, when I, I stop in my sermons, I'll say, okay, let's I'll make sure we understand what the word Pharisee means, you know, something like that. I lead a Bible study and a lot of times we're consulting maps and learning new places or where they are on the map. People know kind of, they know the term Jerusalem, but oftentimes they don't even know Mount Zion, mm-hmm. which is like the same place. And they don't, they aren't oriented to where Bethlehem is and Jericho or Tarsus, whatever. Yeah. So looking at a map and continually studying that is necessary because when people read a name or a place that is unfamiliar to them, they just kind of gloss over it. Like, I don't know that word. I don't know that place. So therefore they start tuning out and they lose the rest of the context from a scripture reading, a teaching, whatever. So if they hear the word discipleship or Pharisee and they don't know, they, they, they lose half of, they lose their train of thought, I think. Yeah. So it is important for us to define and redefine uh, or redescribe, I suppose, so that they have a chance at learning it. Yeah. That's really important. I agree. The topic the topic for today does have some churchy words in it, mm-hmm. and that is why I wanted to kind of go down this road to acknowledge that we do use churchy words and church members and non-church members alike all struggle with some of these churchy words. Yes. Yeah. And this is a continuation off of our discussion last week about this uh, chapter in Unchristian. It's called Get Saved. And just if you didn't tune in, go back and listen to it. But the perception is that Christians are insincere and concerned only with converting others. 
Kinnaman wants to, and Lyons wants this new perception of Christians cultivate relationships and in environments where others can be deeply transformed by God. So we talked a lot last week, James, about what that looks like and how Christians come off, how the door-to-door evangelism isn't really effective or using a megaphone outside, you know, yelling at people, telling them to repent and telling them that they're sinners. And that has, according to the surveys, has almost zero effectiveness. So we talked a lot about that, but we didn't even get to everything we wanted to. And James, there's these myths and realities that I think would be good to talk about, don't you? I do. I like I like hearing the myths. I've I've always enjoyed mythological things, and so I mm. resonate a little bit with the list. I hear it. I okay. like it. Well, let's go through a few of these because I think they're important for for us to talk about. So the first myth is the best evangelism efforts. Now, evangelism is that churchy word. <laughs> uh, evangelism is is the term for you know, the best evangelism, simply sharing the gospel, being messengers of the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So the best evangelism efforts are those that reach the most people at once. Now, I'm not going to read the whole reality, but I'll read one part of it. It says the most effective efforts to share faith. So reality is the most effective efforts to share faith are interpersonal and relationship based. And I know the argument, well, Jesus preached in front of thousands of people. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm, we're both pastors, so we preach in front of thousands of people every week, James, and, <laughs> okay, maybe hundreds every of people week, every week. Thousands. <laughs> but we Ten, both tens know. Tens of people. <laughs> we, we both know, though we do that weekly, I think you and I can both agree that is not the most effective way of evangelism. Absolutely true. I teach a Bible study class or a confirmation class of 10 people, 15 five. And one teaching technique does not meet the needs of all five or 10 or 15 Mm. in that room. Yeah. So a preaching technique, as good as it is, will still only engage a certain percentage while others are tuning out. Yes. So you have to meet the needs in several different ways, at least. Yes. Yes. And I think that's exactly right. There's no more to add to it. But the the relationships are just so important. I think the church has gotten away from this thinking, well, let's have these tent revivals. Let's have, you know, these revivals out in the parking lot underneath a hot tent in the middle of summer. And I'm not bashing those, please. I'm not saying that. But that is, we've built this mentality of, I think I said it last week, of build it and they will come. If we build this tent, then they'll come and they'll hear about the gospel. No. Okay, well, then let's go door to door. No, no. We have to be, I'm not saying those can't work, but building relationships is by far the most effective way. And this survey shows it in this book. Well, Kinnaman actually describes it as it may be effective. Like when we think of use any techniques necessary to reach the unsaved, that's okay. Like we would say, if we send out a hundred flyers or knock on a hundred doors, if one person comes to faith, then that was worth it. That sounds good. But what about the 99 and their Mm -hmm. response? And what he says in the book is that that actually has a negative effect on most of those 99, not just a neutral throw it in the recycling bin, 
disregard what that person said, never talk about it again. It's actually negative. Yeah. So I'm not sure that the one is worth the negative 40 mm. that <laughs> that occurs from that sort of yeah. um, outreach. Well, again, we talked about it this last week. Think about when a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door. They knock on the door. What do you do? If some of you are honest, you ignore it, one. Or you open it up and do what we talked about last week is you go, you listen to answer and inside you're going, oh, I can't wait to tell you how wrong you are. Think of it the other way now. Why do you think someone's going to open the door and say, well, this random person must have something really good to tell me? You know, it can happen. But again, as James said, as Kinnaman says in the book, 40 people say, oh, man, of course, they're going to do this. No, this is why I'm not a Christian and this and this and that, you know, so. Okay, I made up that stat. I mean, this oh. is a book of stats and I <laughs> I did not know. I, I'm just saying like there's a there was a, there's an overwhelming number of people yeah. that that respond negatively. Yes. Yes. And so, James, it, you made up like a for instance, but same same thing yeah. what Kinnaman's saying. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so that's the first myth. And so just relationships are so important and then the next myth is this one is this one is a good one well, they all are but this is probably my favorite anything that brings people to christ is worth doing and here's from the reality again not going to read the whole thing but he does say when you're talking dollars there is no price too high for a soul he wants to say that off the bat but then at the very end at the reality he says if you create more barriers with outsiders because of your tactics you have not been a good steward of the gospel. How we choose to share Christ is as important as our actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that takes us right back to how we do it, you know, the effectiveness of how we do it. There's some serious overlap here, of course, in what we already said. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a lot to add, but I do know that I have had parishioners approach me and ask if we have considered doing a mailing or doing any number of techniques. Have you thought about this? And there was one recently who brought to attention a, um, a flyer that he got because he recently moved. And so a local church sent him information. And so he asked about that. My response was, I mean, a little less than (laughs) enthralled with the idea I asked him if that technique worked on him. And he said, well, no, because I'm already a church member. (laughs) Okay. So we have no idea if this is actually effective or not, but I'm going to tell you based on what I have read, that's not going to do the job more often than not. And to talk about it as not being a good steward is fair because you are maybe wasting your time chasing down silly efforts or maybe even if it's a dollar issue, I'm spending money on something that is maybe more like a shotgun effect, throwing out a bunch of flyers and hoping one will hit. Yeah, it's well, so it's funny as you say that when I first came to Rollins, they asked if I would send out some mailers to the whole community, which is only 1200 people. And I said, sure, you know, I'm newer. I knew it wasn't going to be effective, but I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say no to that. And it's interesting, I heard from one person who complained and said, she called and said, I never want anything again. I can't even believe you would do this and just went off on me. And James, by wow. the by the end of our conversation, she said, 
I just want to thank you. I thought for sure I was going to call and you were going to try to shove Jesus down my throat. And you actually listened to me. And I really do appreciate it. And she said, I just thank you. And I was like, oh, you're you're welcome. Because on the inside, I'm like, because <laughs> I'm like here for yeah, two months. you know. So uh, but mm-hmm. it had zero effectiveness. It had zero and again, there's no there's no limit to money or anything like that. But let's think of it this way. We put all of our effort into doing that, and it had zero effectiveness when we could have just been building relationships, you know, with mm-hmm. those people that we know. Yep. This is a simple case of using your resource as well. Yes. Yeah. So let's go th- to another myth. Uh, people embrace Christianity because of logical arguments. I'll read a quote from within the reality. However, most people do not become Christians because of the overwhelming evidence. So back to last week, saying how we just spit out truth from the gospel, from the Bible, thinking, well, it's truth. Just believe it. Well, well, they don't. So that's like me spitting truth from, I can't think of the book that Darwin writes, you know, well, it's truth. Darwin writes it, so just believe it. They they don't. So they have to see the truth of it in your life. So think of it that way. You know, again, I know I keep going to Mormons and to Jehovah's Witnesses. They're spinning truth from their book, from their religion, and you don't believe it. So why do you think somebody else is going to believe what you say by just spinning truth and truth only? Not saying truth isn't important. But that's why relationships are important, because they can see that truth living through your life. Could you see my brain spinning around in my head? Trying I could to come up with uh, the origin of species. Is that <laughs> that's the it? Thank that you. Thank you. Took yes. me a while to get there yes. myself. Thank you. You're right. So, yes, it's logical arguments are good, but showing how Jesus is in your life, I would argue, is better. Yeah, I'm just thinking of just Bible examples for any of these things. I think all the techniques, the myths so far, maybe there's some root in Scripture for doing those things. Like Jesus spoke to 5,000 people or more at one time, therefore a mass mailing can be good, or therefore Mm. preaching, assuming that preaching to 100 500 people on a Sunday is going to do the job. Um, Did Jesus or Paul make logical arguments? Yes, he absolutely did. His approach is reasonable. uh, It's forensic. And uh, people came to faith that way. And we are comfortable with that uh, and our rhetoric in, in speaking the gospel. But Paul accompanied that with action all the time. Mm -hmm. He spoke of his love, which he demonstrated by going to them and just by the sheer act of writing to them. He established a relationship, so we're going to always keep going back to that. And you can't just get away from it by having a logical argument and hoping that that satisfies everything. Yeah, it's, again, it's this idea of just, you believe it. And I get that. You know, I believe the word of God is true. But I need people to see how the word of God is true in my life. And 
-hmm. we get into this place where I'm just sharing the truth. And one of the things I think we talked about this last week is, well, I'm just sharing the truth. I'm just sharing the truth. And if you're offended, oh, well, no, we can't have that mindset. There's yes, we want to share the truth. And if the person gets offended, then yes, there's nothing we can do about it. Only God can change the person's heart. But that's not going into it with that mindset, because then most likely that is what's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen is the person is going to get upset. They are going to get offended and they are going to turn the volume off. And we we ended last week with that, with if they turn the volume off, mm-hmm. you can't just speak louder. They've turned you off. That's the end of it. Um, old speakers or old uh, stereos kind of lead me to this example. That makes perfect sense to me. Like um, I have. I have a, a stereo in my garage. I like to listen to tunes when I'm cleaning the garage or when my wife is cleaning the garage, <laughs> whatever it is. I like listening to those tunes and I can't actually see the power button. I have to kind of reach to the side because I had to, it just, it fits in a weird spot. And sometimes I think that I've got the power on. So then I'll turn up the volume to no avail. I'm hearing zero things. I check the volume on my phone. Nothing happens while the power's not on. Mm. It doesn't do any good. So if it's off, you don't hear anything. That's the whole story. Talking louder won't do yes. you any good. Turning up the volume won't do you any good. Yeah. So j- just to really wrap this up in a way that <laughs> we always like to leave application is grace and truth. That's what how Paul says Jesus came. Again, we talked about this last week, grace and truth. And so we want in a graceful way to share the truth. That's how I think of that. And if we are doing it that way, then I do believe we bring honor to God. But if we are bringing truth to non-Christians, bringing the gospel in a way of, well, if they get offended, oh, well, it's no, we can't go in it that way because then we're already in the defense mode. We're already in the argument mode instead of in the grace field mode. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different disposition. You mentioned before about other people groups being gentle in their approach. Do Christians want to exhibit gentleness? Yeah, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, We might be able to make a pretty solid argument against aggression, because Mm -hmm. that is not a fruit of the Spirit, (laughs) or gentleness is. Is there a time and a place for some of those things? Perhaps, but seek the greater things. Yes. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Seek the greater things. And So we haven't even got to the discipleship, the spiritual formation side, which are two very churchy words. So next week we are going to. I was going to say, Matt, those are super, those are super churchy words. I have to say. So maybe we should make that the word of the day. Word of the week. (laughs) Uh, Real real quick. I'm sorry. We got to go back. So the word of the week is. Churchy, churchy. So that's a word. No, it's not. So it's okay though, (laughs) because we can make it up. Um, That's the third one. So we have a few who have given us all three. It's not too late. You can go back and listen to all three. But our transcript from last episode, when I went James, is it came off as I said, poo, 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 over and over. And I probably what you were thinking at least. And I immaturely laughed. So next week, yeah, let's talk about discipleship, because that's another aspect to this chapter that we haven't even gotten to, uh, that discipleship is all part of Mm -hmm. this, because people are so worried about evangelism that they forget about the discipleship aspect of 
our walk or in our journey. Yeah. Like, what does it mean to be a disciple? Those are, those are, that's a phrase that when people hear it, they either are excited to hear it or they're like, Ooh, yeah. Who wants to talk about that? And maybe it's because they don't understand what a disciple is, or maybe it's because it's perceived as intense, which it is. Yes. Yeah. It'll be a good discussion. I think it needs to be talked about. I agree. So let's close this bad boy out. Uh, Thank you for joining us on Not the Worst Pastors podcast. This is James and Matt signing off for this week. We'll see you next week. See you.